This week's sponsor is absolutely perfect for true crime fans, especially those of us that love a twisty, turny murder mystery. June's Journey is a game set in the Roaring Twenties. June's sister Claire and her husband Harry were found dead, and June is certain that they've been murdered. Now she must travel to New York, where her sister's estate was, to look after her niece and solve the mystery of Claire's death. You go along the journey with June, searching for hidden objects in different locations from the parlors of New York to the sidewalks of Paris, uncovering hidden clues to solve the mystery as you go. I'm already on chapter six and the mystery has gotten so good. I cannot wait to uncover more clues. I'm also loving how you get to customize your very own luxurious estate island. That's right, let your imagination run wild as you decorate your island with expansive gardens and beautiful buildings. My pool is literally insane. It has a waterfall. Discover your inner detective when you download June's Journey for free on iOS and Android. I can't believe I've been hanging out with you for like already an hour. (laughs) But you know what? You know what the best palate cleanser has been? Because we've been, you know, record these at night and I'm a scaredy cat. I have been, Uh I don't recommend this. Don't do this at home, everybody. (laughs) I've been rereading my journal from my early 20s. (laughs) And nothing is more terrifying than that. (laughs) Oh, welcome to another episode of True Crime Creepers, where we talk about all the real life creeps, from serial killers to con artists. I'm Kristen, the true crime fanatic who loves to tell these stories. And I'm Gap, the true crime newbie who hasn't heard any of them. I'm sorry, you're going to have to find a passage that we can read for a mini creep. Oh, I, I, <laughs> I can give you right now a phrase. It, it's living rent free in my head and I've told so many people about it. It's so cringy, in fact. I can't wait. I, I think I basically have it memorized. It was basically, you know, rodeo season. I was just recently single. And I said, I'm starting to talk to this guy, you know, so-and-so. And I think I'm kind of like him. But I definitely think since rodeo season's coming up, I need to be single. I'm going to have a gold pin this year so I can get into every concert. And I plan on definitely going. And the first one is Luke Bryan. And there's definitely going to be single fine cowboys there. <laughs> Woof. Oh, my. <laughs> it's so bad. So bad. And this is why God made sure you were never single for long. <laughs> single fine cowboys. <laughs> and I believe that's the say. I, I haven't gotten to this part yet because, you know, rodeo season, if you don't know, is uh-huh. a month long uh-huh. in Texas. And uh, I I got up enough confidence towards the end of it that at the end of the actual rodeo activities before the concert, the bull riders and the ropers and all the cowboys, uh, you can go get their autograph. They like, you know. Uh, and I slipped one my number and I thought, this is how I'm going to make it. And so I can't wait to get to that part in the journal, but... Uh. <laughs> yeah, so I've been doing that every uh, every night a little bit. It's really good. Okay, I, really I'm good. serious. You need to prepare like several pages. I'll do. I'll get some sticky notes. That could be a what you want to make that yes. a mini creep. <laughs> Jesus. <sighs> All right. Before we get started, we have something very important to talk about. Do you know what it is? Athletic greens. I'm no. sure. <laughs> <laughs> oh, the Patreon. The Patreon. 
You can still get you some athletic greens and some vitamin D and all the great things. <laughs> but you could get more content on our Patreon. Our which is Patreon is uh, up and available for all you people at patreon.com slash true crime creepers. We got multiple levels for you. At the $5 level, you can get yourself a shout out on the podcast and a bonus episode every month. We just recorded our August bonus episode, which by the time this comes out, will have dropped. Yeah, it'll have just dropped and it's a doozy. I guess I could say what it is since it will have (laughs) just dropped. We covered the Gypsy Rose Blanchard case and uh, just a little (laughs) sneaky peek. I texted Moga before just to see if she knew anything about the case. I said, does the name Gypsy Rose mean anything to you? And you know what she said? (laughs) No. Did I work with her at the Waffle House? <laughs> Tell me where I'm wrong, though. For, I mean, it just it flashed in my head. You and know, I quickly went through the characters of Schitt's Creek, and then I was like, "Oh, I must have worked with her at the Waffle." <laughs> so, uh, if you're interested on Mogab's take on that case, head on over there. We also have, if you bump up one level to the seven dollar level, you get a card with our autographs and a sticker. Sealed by Mogab's famous wax seals. She does such a great job. And you also get two mini creeps every month. Those are shorter episodes on different topics. Sometimes they're a true crime. Sometimes they're am I the asshole stuff. Sometimes they're stories about Mogab's mom, you know, stories about the Waffle House, stories about whatever. So if you want to check that out. My diary, apparently. The dramatic reading of my diary coming coming to a mini creep near you. And then we got our $10 level. That is where you can get all of that plus 20% off of merch. And we will be adding um, ad-free episodes to that in the next couple weeks, I would say. Oh, that's exciting. You had like a giant dot. on What, oh, okay. <laughs> Look at that. Can you see it? It's a wax seal. Oh, no, oh. I can't really. It's an S. It's an S with a little heart and an R. Oh. Okay. <laughs> or R heart S, but sure. That too. Oh, it kind of does look like that. I can't use this. It does. looks like S, E, and the R looks like an X. <laughs> oh, shit. That's what I thought it said. Well, I have to rethink those wedding invites. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. We all carry around stressors, big and small. For me, this comes in the form of work, too many deadlines, relationships with people, irrational fears of the future. When we keep them bottled up, it can really start to affect us negatively, mentally and physically. Therapy is a safe space to get things off your chest and to figure out how to work through whatever's weighing you down. My therapist has really been helping me work on coping skills for how to handle my stress, how to handle day-to-day tasks that I struggle with, as well as working on communicating and improving personal relationships and just talking through problems with somebody who understands. It's something I wish I'd started ages ago. But finding a therapist is so overwhelming. Are they taking new patients? Are they taking insurance? And once you find one that says yes to both of those, are they a good fit? If not, you have to start the process all over again. If they are a good fit, you've got to figure out some way to fit appointments into your busy schedule. But BetterHelp takes away all of those barriers, and I'm so thankful. I love my therapist. I really feel like they took my questionnaire that I filled out when I signed up and really used it to match me to the perfect person. So if you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. 
get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com creepers today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash creepers. All right, yes. let's get into this episode. A big thank you to an episode of Dateline called The Client and an episode of a little show called Web of Lies called Final Sale and a whole compilation of articles in the Arkansas Democrat Gazette archives. Because for this story, we are in Little Rock, Arkansas on September 25th, 2014. Woo pig! <laughs> not, not really. That's not really in Little uh, Rock, but that's all I really visited. Okay. I don't know anything about Arkansas except for West Memphis. It was around 8.45 at night, and Carl Carter was getting really worried about his wife, Beverly. She was a real estate agent, and she'd texted him around 5.30, letting him know that she was showing a house to a couple that was relocating to Arkansas. She gave him the address of the property she was showing and said she should be home by 7 o'clock with dinner. At 7.15, Carl had texted Beverly to check in and make sure she was okay. He knew she didn't really like it when he called her while she was showing a house, but if he texted her, she'd always text him back, but she didn't respond. He thought that was weird, but thought maybe her, she left her phone in the car, maybe her battery had died. Beverly Carter wasn't just any real estate agent. She was the top-selling realtor in North Little Rock and the fifth best-selling agent in the state of Arkansas. Oh, that's big. She had a diamond award from the North Pulaski Board of Realtors to prove it, but you knew she'd really made it when you drove past that billboard with her face on it. God. Posted on yes. <laughs> posted on one of the busiest interstates in the area. Selling came naturally to her. She had a personality that would fill a room and loved helping people find the perfect home. In 2013, Beverly had done $12 million in sales in central Arkansas, an area where the typical home is less than $200,000. So $12 million there is a lot yeah. of hustle. But we need to move. <laughs> But Beverly was so bubbly, it just made her clients fall in love with the house. She also took her safety on the job seriously. She made sure to tell her husband where she'd be going, who she'd be with, and she kept him updated if she'd be late. But by 8.45, Beverly was still not home, still not answering Carl's calls or, te- or replying to his texts, and now he was really worried. He called their oldest son, Carl Jr., who was around his late 20s, maybe early 30s. <laughs> I'm not super sure how old he was. I know, we're going to be saying... You're not doing We're that. We're going to be saying Carl Jr. a lot, so. <laughs> oh. I mean, you're not doing that anymore, though, right? Like, people aren't doing, doing that. Doing what? With the burger joint. Like, Carl Jr. We're not naming people Carl Jr., right? Well, they didn't call him Carl Jr. They called him Carl, but there's two Carls, and we have to differentiate between them. <sighs> so we got to call him Carl Jr. I really want to get a Corgi and name it Carl so <gasps> bad. That would be a great name for a Corgi. So Carl. I know. Carl, get over here, Carl. I love it. Carlos when he's being bad. <laughs> and Carl Jr. thought his dad was way overreacting. He said he was rolling his eyes and was just like, Dad, she's fine. Her cell probably died or something. He said he'd try and get a hold mm-hmm. of her, but then he couldn't. He was trying to keep his dad from panicking, and he tells him that this is just the nature of the business. You know, she's out selling a house. She'll be home soon. But Carl didn't sound so sure, so Carl Jr. offered to go over to Beverly's office and see if she was there just to make him feel better. 
His wife, Kim, offered to tag along and they headed over to the cry-like realty office where Beverly worked. But it was completely dark. There was no one there. All the lights were off. The doors were locked. She Mm. definitely wasn't there. Beverly's friends were also rallying to find her. Her best friend, Brenda, was also in real estate. She led the sales team at the brokerage Beverly worked for. And she got a hold of Stacy, another friend of Beverly's and a fellow agent. The three of them, along with their friend Denise, were together all the time. They always had the best time. They said that Beverly just had this huge, goofy laugh, and they were just always laughing together. But they were also really big on safety. In the years before this, real estate agents had become a target for crime. And you really don't think about how dangerous Hmm. their job is, but they're often meeting up with strangers at empty properties. Yeah. There had been several assaults of agents at listings, and there had also been several murders. Many realists. In Arkansas or just like in in Arkansas, but I think also just in general. Yeah. Just, yeah. Many real estate agents are aware of the danger, and it is a concern that they think about. But a lot of times, if someone calls and asks you to show them the house, you're jumping up and running over to to show it. Yeah, you're going. So there were a few precautions that Beverly would take. You know, she would make sure her husband knew what property she was at, and, and probably the other girls at the office, too, knew what property she was showing. And she also never took her person with her. She'd leave that in the car. She wouldn't carry it in on, on her shoulder when mm-hmm. she went in. And also, Beverly and her friends had come up with a secret code at their office that would signal trouble. They would use the phrase red folder. So they might say something like, hey, do you have the red folder on XYZ property? Like they would text that. And so that would give the other person the address that they were at and signal that there was trouble there without being obvious. They they haven't gotten any red folder alerts from Beverly. And Brenda especially just didn't think it was possible that something could be wrong. There had to be a rational explanation for where she was. Brenda knew about Beverly's showing that night. It was with a couple that Beverly had been speaking with for weeks. The prospective buyers' names were Stephen and Crystal Adams, who said that they lived out of state, but they were relocating to Arkansas for work. And it was Stephen that Beverly dealt with most. He was the one that she'd been working with. And he said that he could pay in cash, but he wanted to get the house soon. That's your first sign, right? Like, what? It could be, but a cash buyer means a quick close. So Beverly was really excited about it. She'd had a great year selling the year before. She'd sold $12 million. But by September of 2014, the next year, she she was only at $2 million. So she was mm. really eager for another sale, especially one that sounded quick and relatively easy. She'd been speaking to Stephen for a couple of weeks on the phone, texting, emailing, all to try and find them their perfect home. Beverly had consulted with other agents in the area to see if they had any listings that would fit their needs. You know, she'd been working with them. And then Stephen reached out about a property on Old River Drive in Scott, Arkansas. It's in a more rural area. It sits on half an acre. It has five beds, five baths, and it's right on the water on Old River Lake. You can see current pictures of it on Zillow, and it's pretty nice. It's got like a bonus space above the garage with a wet bar and everything. It sold for $264,000 in 2020, but that's the future. Uh We're in 2014. And in 2014, it was a bit of a fixer-upper. Beverly was familiar with this property. She knew that it was vacant, and she knew that it wasn't in great shape. And it didn't seem at all like the move-in ready home that they said that they were looking for. So she was kind of surprised that he was asking her about it. But Stephen was insistent. He wanted to check out this property, and he asked if she could show it to him that evening. 
No. It's in like a remote area. Yeah. It gave Beverly a weird feeling. And so right on the spot, she came up with this little lie to tell Stephen. She told him that she was really sorry, but that there was a company policy in place that she wasn't allowed to show a property alone in a rural area. And Stephen said, oh, that's fine. We actually won't be alone. My wife, Crystal, is going to be joining us, too. And he even passed the phone over to Crystal, who confirmed that she'd be with them, and asked her if her company would policy would be okay with that, if it was the three of them. And Beverly wasn't really expecting that. She wasn't expecting Crystal to hop on the phone. Yeah. She did feel more comfortable with the arrangement, knowing that his wife would be coming. And she knew the area where the property was really well. Like, she lived really close by. She was like a five-minute drive away. It was just on the other side of the lake from her house. She sold several other houses in this neighborhood, and the property was even down the street from her pastor's house. Like, he lived on that street. But she was kind of hoping it would be like, a nut. she was kind of implying, like, I need another real estate person with me from my team. Yeah, I think, I think yeah. so. But this was a very safe neighborhood. This is the kind of area where most people don't even lock their doors. So Crystal was going to be there. She felt comfortable. The area she knew really well. So she agreed to show them the house. They made a plan to meet at 6 p.m. Brenda told her good luck as she left for her appointment. But it was now after 9 o'clock, and there was no reason it should take two and a half hours to show that property, a fact that Brenda and Stacy mm-hmm. knew very well. They were trying not to panic, and they thought a good, reasonable explanation for her absence was that Beverly might have taken the buyers to another listing to show them some of the other houses that she was selling. And maybe she just accidentally left her phone behind or it had died or was in the car. Lots of reasonable explanations, no reason to panic. So while Carl Sr. headed over to the Old River property to look for Beverly, Brenda and Stacy ran over to the two other listings that Beverly had. And they went and they checked the lockboxes at both houses because I guess there's a log on them. I'm not really sure how that works, but they were able to tell if anybody had used them recently, but no one had. Oh. I didn't know that, that there were logs on them. That makes sense. Yeah, it does. I didn't know that either. Because I've always seen them, and I'm like, this just seems like we're just trusting that. Yeah. I don't know. People aren't going like, to Absolutely. Carl Sr. was at the Old River property in record time. Like I said, they were like a four or five minute drive away. When he got there, it was after nine, and this is a more rural area, so houses are more spread out, and there's no street lights, and it was really dark. But he saw Beverly's car as he pulled into the driveway. It's very identifiable. Mm -hmm. It's a brown Cadillac SUV with vanity plates that say B. Carter. Oh, no. Vanity plates. Okay, that's not as bad. He looked, and especially when you have, like, a business that you're promoting, you know? Yeah, yeah. He looked through the window of the car, and her purse was sitting right there on the passenger side of the car, which didn't seem like a good sign. Could there be a rational reason she'd left it behind? The door to the house was left wide open, so Carl went inside to search for her. The house had no electricity hooked up, so it was very dark. Mm. But he used the flashlight on his phone, and he looked in every single nook and cranny that a person could be in. He even checked up in the attic for her. I would be hoping and praying that she just got locked in somewhere by accident or something. But she wasn't anywhere. Oh, could you imagine going up to the attic? No. No. Oh. He called Carl Jr. to let him know that he'd gone to the property and he'd found her car, but there was no sign of Beverly. And then he called the police. Around 10 o'clock, deputies from the Pulaski County Sheriff's Department arrived, as did Carl Jr. and his wife, Kim. 
Carl Sr. explained to the deputies that Beverly must have been kidnapped. Someone had taken her. All he and his family felt was overwhelming fear. Mm. Police quickly set up roadblocks and they stopped and questioned every person that approached the street. Carl Jr.'s wife, Kim, she said that she remembered a car speeding down the road that night, driving way faster than you'd expect, especially with the police lights flashing everywhere. And he was stopped by police and questioned about where he was going. And the officer told him that they were looking for Beverly and asked if he'd seen her. The man said no, and they let him go. What's the point of a roadblock? (laughs) By 1 a.m., they were no closer to finding Beverly. And her friends and family were now all gathered at the Old River property with police. And that's when texts started coming in from Beverly, all saying she's fine and apologizing that her phone had died. Everyone was so relieved. There's a reasonable explanation for her disappearance that we'll all hear about. But for right now, at least she's okay. But then a third text came in. And this text was a crushing blow to everyone who knew Beverly. It said she was out having drinks with friends. Beverly was the type to go to bed early. Her favorite drink was chocolate milk. And also, all her friends, everyone she'd be out having drinks with, was there looking looking for for her. her. They all knew instantly that those texts were not from Beverly, and the implications of that fact were chilling. What a dumb, like, assumption Mm -hmm. to make for someone to – do you know what I mean? Like – Yeah. Yeah. You could have said anything else that would have been more generic, like, I'm – Or just not sent texts at all. Like, why send the texts? She's not coming home that night. So obviously, like, they're not going to be at peace. They're going to keep looking for her. And this meant that someone had Beverly, had her phone, and was bold enough or dumb enough to text her friends and Mm -hmm. family pretending to be her. Brenda got the same texts. And like Beverly's family, something felt really off to her. So she tried to use their secret code. She sent Beverly a text asking if she'd put that red folder back on her desk, but she didn't get a response. Uh Investigators arrived at the property, and normally it's protocol to wait a certain amount of time before putting any manpower into a missing person. But in this case, some of the factors were just so odd. Her car in the driveway, her purse locked inside. It definitely pointed towards Beverly did not disappear voluntarily. This is what makes me so mad, though, is that's how I felt. We've talked about it again. Oh, yeah. Well, Kate, I think everybody I think felt you know? like that with Jessica condition. Like, it was so obvious. Yeah, the cell yeah. phone. And, yeah, you they know? really bungled that one. Is this, like, kind of – I mean, I know you said Little Rock, but is this, like, in a small town suburb of This that? is in Scott, Arkansas. Scott, mm-hmm. that's right. Never mind. That's where the property is, yeah. Detective yeah. Jeff Allison started going through every scenario in his head of what could have happened. And he knew the first person you look at is who? Always the spouse. So he was looking hard at Carl. Detective Allison was told about the text they'd all received. And this episode of Web of Lies was very kind enough to explain how cell phones ping off of cell phone towers. (laughs) I love that. (laughs) So he called it in to get that location information, but it was going to take a while. Detectives searched the house, and there was nothing there to suggest a struggle or where Beverly might be now. But outside, there was a tire track in the grass that looked like someone had pulled right up to the front door. A neighbor told detectives that she'd seen a black car pull into the driveway, saw a skinny white guy with short hair get out of the car, 
And then a little while later, mm. the neighbor saw that black vehicle backed up to the front door. What? The location of the phone came in a few hours later and showed that it was about 25 miles away, south of Little Rock. Officers raced to the location, hoping to find Beverly alive. They didn't find anything. At this point, it's all hands on deck. It's obviously imperative that they find Beverly as soon as possible, so they start making phone calls to everyone she'd ever met in her life. Susan Vaught, another realtor at Crylike, she was notified of her disappearance and helped investigators access Beverly's computer to try and find out who this couple was that she'd been showing the home to. Yeah. What's her name again? Can't Beverly Carter. Stephen Stephen and, and no, Crystal no. Adams. Crystal. Mm-hmm. That's in right. Beverly's car, Detective Allison found a notebook she kept that had a listing for that house in it. Attached to the listing was an email address and a phone number under the names Stephen and Crystal Adams. He said he didn't want to call the number right away, and he explained that this was because he was strongly suspecting that Beverly had been kidnapped. And if these people were the kidnappers, he didn't want to let them know that the police were on to them. If they were keeping Beverly alive, which is what everyone was hoping, they might rush to kill Beverly if they knew about the investigation. Right. By the next morning, which was Friday morning, there was no sign of Beverly. Her friends and family couldn't believe that this was real life. Kim said it felt like a dream, and she expected to wake up to, to news that she'd been found. Instead, are you assuming, if it's you, are you assuming that it's like Beverly sending the text? Are you assuming it's someone else? Like, are you assuming they're keeping her alive and she's sending the text? Or are you assuming? I'm assuming it's it's somebody else sending the text. Yeah, I think I would too. I would want to not. Yeah, I'm definitely assuming that even if it is her sending the text, that something's wrong. Like, if she's telling me something that's totally outside her personality. What would the thing be? Yeah. If somebody was like, text everybody and tell them you're okay, what would be the thing that you would say that like wouldn't signal to kidnappers that you're okay or wouldn't signal to kidnappers that you're like trying to send a code, but your friends and family would like know, oh, something's wrong because she would never say this. Something about you know what like. I think you should say? What? Well, don't tell everybody. I, I think you, it should be something about like. We're going to have to postpone our IHOP meetup or something, like our IHOP breakfast. Because <laughs> everyone's yeah. like, this bitch would never yeah. go to IHOP. <laughs> like, I'm really craving some pancakes. Something's wrong. <laughs> Red alert. She don't want those so- soggy little flapjacks. Yeah. <laughs> really wish I could go to the gym. <laughs> I'm so busy. I can't make it to the gym today. So sorry. <laughs> Yeah. Or I've been at the yes. gym all night. That's where I've been. That's <laughs> yeah. what it would be. Sorry I missed you tonight. I'm feeling well rested. <laughs> I'm feeling. Got nothing on my feeling schedule. feeling well rested. No anxieties in the, in the world. <laughs> no worries. All the all worries. The worries. <laughs> yeah. And instead, Kim's social media was buzzing with people trying to get the word out. All of Beverly's family and friends and everyone that worked with her were all out looking for her with these 8x10 photos. And news stations started reporting on Beverly's disappearance, and people became really invested in where she was. Like, this was big news in Little Rock. People came out in droves to help find her. Hundreds of volunteers showed up to help with the search. Realtors came from all over the state, actually, even those that didn't know Beverly. And many of them shut their entire offices down for the day to come help. 
By the afternoon, they had the search set up, they made grids on a map, everyone had an assignment, and they were out searching. I always wonder how you hear about those. Like, I would want to participate. Like, I've never heard of, like, have, like a big search party, you know? But then every time you tell me these stories, there's, like, these massive ones. I know I've lived in Houston. There's obviously been... I know from the talk that I went to with Texas EquiSearch that, like, organizations mm-hmm. like that keep volunteers, like, on file. So when they have a search and they just mm-hmm. need manpower, they put the word out to those volunteers to come out and help search. In this case, I think the word is yeah. getting around. It's like word of mouth to all these realtors that are realtors. taking it a little personally that this happened to her mm-hmm. because they're all facing these yeah. safety concerns, you know, against realtors. Right. So close to home. Like that. Exactly. You know, the feeling like that could have been exactly. me. Carl got on the news and pleaded to the kidnapper to bring Beverly home. But people were suspicious. The husband always did it, right? Uh. He had an alibi, but. Oh, my God. He better not. He had an alibi, but that didn't mean he didn't hire someone to get rid of his wife. Carl had gone into the house, searched high and low for Beverly, even went up to the attic. Like I said, his fingerprints and DNA would be all over the house. And this looked like possibly Carl had contaminated the crime scene on purpose. So when forensics inevitably did find his fingerprints and DNA all over the place, he could say it was from searching the house. So detectives brought Carl in for questioning. And when they started with their questions, Carl realized he was a suspect, the prime suspect at the moment. Mm. What do you do? Not go in the house that you think you're Absolutely not. Like, of course not. Yeah. Right. You no, know, you go in, you right. search the house. Yeah. You're not. Yeah. You could be purposefully contaminating the crime scene because you don't care. Or you could be searching and searching because you care very much and don't care about a yeah. crime scene at this point and don't know that it's a crime scene. Yeah, you don't th- – I don't think you're thinking it's a crime scene yet until you're right. done. until you, you realize know? she's not there. Detective Allison started with the easier questions. You know, just tell me about your relationship with Beverly. Carl mm. talked about how they'd been married for 35 years. They'd met in Splendora, oh Texas when Beverly was 16 <gasps> and Carl was 19. Beverly was working at a little Hmm. burger joint called the Bionic Burger, which I looked up, and (laughs) they only have a few locations in Wichita, Kansas now. It's the only place they are. They had a very small wedding at City Hall, and they really loved each other. Their marriage was a happy one, Hmm. according to Carl, but it wasn't perfect. They were having financial issues. At the time of Beverly's disappearance, they only had $124 in their checking account. And she did have a $100,000 life insurance policy on her. But she was making all that or she was doing so well with all the real. Yeah, but I think what happened was she had a really good year. And then, I mean, $2 million isn't anything to sneeze at, but she did $12 million the last year. And I think she kind of expected to do the same the next year because you know how real estate is so up and down. And she had uh, bought an expensive car recently. She'd had a lot of plastic surgery done recently because she'd had a big weight loss and she'd like gotten into marathons and stuff. She would started running like 5Ks and that kind of thing. And she'd had like implants and a tummy tuck and all yeah. sorts of stuff, you know, wanting to look her best. And I don't think that that like, you know, that probably put a dent in a lot of it. There was also some infidelity in their past. Carl had had an affair, but he said it was years and years ago, and they'd worked through that rough patch. And he did admit that once he'd been violent with her when she tried to stop him from driving drunk, 
and he said he ended up driving straight into a ditch. Carl said he felt like poo cocky for not listening to her. That's his, <laughs> poo his exact words. He said he needed to roll in it. Anyway, he said that Beverly forgave him and they'd moved past it. They'd even renewed their wedding vows on their 20th anniversary. And Beverly finally got the wedding of her dreams. I know. Well, that's where all the money went. Oh, yeah. Well, that was before she even got into real estate because she they did 20 years. No, she's still paying it off. Trust me. (laughs) You might be right. You might be right. Detectives decided that they couldn't cross Carl off their list yet, but they continued on with their investigation. They, you know, they they did what you're supposed to do, where you have a suspect, but you continue investigating other avenues and you don't just try to find yeah. evidence against this one person to close your case, you know. You heard it here <laughs> first, people. Investigating 101 <laughs> by, by Kristen. Kristen. Right. No experience, but even I know that. <laughs> Detectives got back Beverly's computer and phone records from a warrant served to her cell carrier. Her cell carrier turned over everything on her phone, and so detectives went to look at her photo album, and the last, like, 10 pictures taken were a bunch of random pictures of the old river property. The photos were blurry and dark and just not good pictures. Oh, smart, smart. It's, like, not what you'd expect from someone trying to sell the property, and it made detectives think that Beverly must have been feeling like something was wrong, and she was kind of trying to rush the showing. So she was just taking quick snapshots Mm -hmm. around the house. Beverly has now been missing for three days. Her son, Carl Jr., said that he felt utterly hopeless, like he couldn't do anything to help. He also said he couldn't bear to help with the ground search for her because if she had been murdered, he knew it could not be him that found her body. Yeah. Maybe I don't want to be on a search crew. Yeah. But then to... I want to help, but I don't want to find anything. Well, then we wouldn't really be helping. (laughs) I know. But then detectives got a huge break in the case. Remember the notebook they'd found in Beverly's car with the names Stephen and Crystal Adams and their contact information? Yeah. At first glance, it all looked legit. The phone numbers matched an out-of-state number. They'd said they were coming from out-of-state. The email addresses matched the names Stephen and Crystal Adams. But after looking into it a bit farther, police were pretty sure the names were fake. The phone numbers had been generated by a phone app that assigns your phone a different phone number that you can just turn on and off. Detectives. What? Yeah. There's like an app that can give you a different phone number and you can just turn that on and off. Why would you? Why would people do that? To call people and not give them their real phone number like star 69ing. (laughs) (laughs) Detectives got emergency access to the phone's subscriber data and found out that it was registered to someone named Crystal Lowry who was married to a 33-year-old man named Aaron Lewis. And Crystal's older. She's like 41, I think. And sometimes Aaron spells his name A-R-R-O-N, and sometimes it's spelled the normal way. I'm not sure. Aaron Lewis was a seven-time felon who was currently out on parole. His charges are, and you're not going to believe this, but he posted Mm. this as a post on his Facebook page. That's how I know what his past charges are. Oh, yeah, he's I'm a seven. He he literally was like, I'm a seven time felon and these are my charges. It's like his OOTD his day one felony one first degree robbery in 1998 interstate commerce of a stolen vehicle in 2003 aggravated assault on an officer in 2007 deactivating an anti theft device in 2008 
and three counts of theft related to a scam he ran on a corporation in 2011. Do you know what else he posted on Facebook? Pictures of him and Crystal (laughs) at the Waffle House. (gasps) Oh, yeah. Oh, okay. I mean, it's what you would expect. He'd gotten a new job at a cement company called Argos just a few months before the murder where he'd be driving trucks for the company. But it seems that maybe that didn't last long because he updated his job title on Facebook to CEO of Self-Employed. I love, oh my God, that's my favorite. On the dating apps, that was always... Self-employed. I always wanted, yeah, but it would would be like CEO of self-employed. Like they would say like VP, whatever. And I always wanted to swipe just to, to learn more. Swipe up for my code. He and Crystal were not relocating from another state. In fact, their house was a 30 minute drive from the old river property. Detective Allison said that when they pulled up to the house, it was so tempting to just kick the door in and go look for Beverly. But they didn't have a warrant yet, and so for now, all they could do was put their house under surveillance. They weren't totally sure yet if the couple was even involved, but they soon saw Aaron Lewis come out of the house, and he matched the description of the neighbor that saw a skinny white guy with short brown hair at the old river property. Mm. Aaron got into his car, but he quickly spotted the police and he took off speeding. Yeah. He sped around a corner doing like 90 miles an hour and he ended up hitting a parked car and like wrecking. Officers could hear the sound of the crash, but by the time they made it around the corner, Aaron had already jumped out of the car. His face was all bloodied from the crash. He definitely needed medical care, but they wanted to verify a few things before they took him. They took his phone and they asked for his cell phone number. And he gave him a number that was like one digit off from the number traced by the app. So they asked him again. And this time he gave the correct phone number and it matched. They had the right guy. Mm. But they couldn't question him until he'd been seen by a doctor. So they snapped a few photos of him and then took him to the hospital. The police weren't allowed to go with him while he was having certain procedures done because they still didn't even have a warrant. And the warrant for kidnapping didn't come until after 430 And by that time, Aaron had fled the hospital with the IV still in his arm. Oh, boy. This was... Well, he's giving off all the guilty vibes. Right. This was breaking news. It cut into local TV to broadcast Aaron's face and let everyone know to look for him. The whole city was on the lookout. Police finally secured a warrant for Aaron's house, and they immediately went to search it hoping, again, that their search for Beverly would be over and she'd be there in that house. But she wasn't there. They knew they were on the right track, though, because they did find her cell phone in the house and some of her jewelry. Oh, good. I mean, I say good. I just don't want it to be Carl. Right, I know. This episode is sponsored by Pros. Supporting our sponsors really helps support the show. A couple of years ago, I decided it was probably time I figure out some kind of skincare routine – But the problem was, and has always been, too many options. I don't know exactly what I need or what's best for me and my skin. So thus far, my solution has been to just buy a skincare line off the shelf and hope it helps. But that's all about to change when my custom skincare from Pros comes in. Each and every bottle of Pros custom hair and skincare is made to order and personalized with a unique blend of naturally powerful and proven effective ingredients to meet your needs. In fact, in a third-party, double-blind, dermatologist-supervised, controlled clinical study, aka the gold standard in research studies, 
Pros proved that personalization works better than off-the-shelf alternatives. Try it for yourself and get your healthiest hair in 30 days or get your money back. Pros is so confident that you'll love your results that they're offering our listeners an exclusive trial offer so that you can see the difference custom care can make. That's 50% off your first subscription order at pros.com slash creepers. That's P-R-O-S-E dot com slash creepers for your free consultation and 50% off your one-of-a-kind formulas. Pros.com slash creepers. Life doesn't happen bi-weekly, so why should payday? The money you earn can be in your hands today with Earn In. Earn In is an app that gives you access to your pay as you work, up to $100 a day or $750 per pay period. Just download the Earn In app and verify your paycheck, and then access your money as you earn it instead of having to wait for it to hit your account. Any money you access, including any optional tips, are automatically repaid from your next paycheck. It is a much-needed alternative to predatory payday lenders for people that find themselves in a bind, like a bill due Wednesday when payday isn't until Friday. Or you're like me and you're just getting slammed with birthdays. Why are all my friends Tauruses? With Earn In, I don't have to worry about being late with a gift because I had to wait for payday. Download Earn In today, spelled E-A-R-N-I-N, in the Google Play or Apple App Store. When you download the Earn In app, type in Creepers under podcast when you sign up. It'll really help the show. Creepers under podcast. Subject to your available earnings, location, daily max, and pay period max. See earnin.com slash TOS for details. Earnin is a financial technology company, not a bank. Bank products are issued by Evolve Bank and Trust, member FDIC. As soon as it hit the news that Aaron was the prime suspect, Beverly's friend Brenda said, what do you think she did first? Got on, got on the old Facebook. Oh, forgot on the Facebook. Looked him up. And she said you could just see the evil in his soul. And she tried to not let her mind, her mind wander too much. She didn't want to think of Beverly being hurt. <laughs> she also saw on Facebook that his wife, Crystal, had an 11-year-old daughter. And there was also an arrest warrant out for Crystal. But Brenda said she just couldn't imagine her being involved in all of this. I see you get all that on Facebook, everybody. Quit putting your business <laughs> out there. Crystal was a nurse in training, and it was easy enough to track her down. Detective Allison arrested her for having Beverly's phone at her house and brought her in for questioning. Crystal told him can arrest her for, that? for having a missing person's phone at her house. Yes. Well, yeah, I know. I guess I was assuming Stolen more property. of like, well, I was thinking of it more being that Aaron took it, but I mean, I get it. They're shared. Yeah. And I think it's her house. Like it's under her name, I think. Crystal told him she had no idea about the phone. She said that Aaron was always bringing home electronics and things, and she had no idea whose phone that was. But Detective Allison was not convinced. He was certain that she was involved. Hmm. The day after he ran away from the hospital, Aaron was spotted at basically the exact same time by at least five different people. There were two managers at a mortgage company who actually knew Beverly. They were in the same industry. And they were just in their office yeah. when Aaron Lewis walked right past their window to a bus stop nearby. One of them. Is he still carrying the IV? <laughs> so no, I think he's trailing it all. Huh? Rip it out of his arm. Ugh. One of the managers, Conan, went out to talk to him and make sure it was him, while the other manager, Ben, stayed inside and called 911. After speaking to the guy about bus routes, Conan was certain that it was him. 
Aaron left the bus stop and walked towards a Subway sandwich shop where a local businessman named Adam Nash was parked. And Nash was just scrolling Facebook, looking at all this coverage of Beverly that was just clogging his feed. He said that the entire community of Little Rock, Arkansas was 100% behind this case. It was everywhere you looked. Aaron's face was staring at him from his phone screen. And then he looked up and he sees Aaron walk out of the subway and stop right in front of his car. That's insane. They made eye contact. And Nash kind of tried to like dial 911 on his phone without alerting Aaron to what he was doing. But he clearly got spooked and started pacing in front of Nash's car and then started walking towards the end of the shopping center where Ben and Conan were still standing outside of their office. And one of them called to Nash and there were a few other people hanging around at this point, too. And he called over to him and he's like, that is Aaron Lewis. And that's when everyone around, like at least five people started following him on foot. And Aaron took off running and everybody else took off running after him. And he ran towards this apartment <laughs> complex. It's like a cartoon. Yes, exactly. He ran towards this apartment complex, the Pleasant Point Apartments. And Nash had him cornered, but then Aaron pulled out a knife. He ended up in the manager's office of the Pleasant Point Apartments. And when he saw the police, he jumped out of a second story window and tried to run around the side of the building. But an officer caught up with him and immediately arrested him. All of Beverly Carter's friends and family were so relieved to hear Aaron had been arrested and hopeful that they'd be getting her back any minute now. She'd only been missing for four days, but they felt an equal amount yeah. of fear. I think four days, you're still, the hope is still there. Absolutely. You know? like- Police questioned Aaron for more than 12 hours, and he admitted to kidnapping Beverly. He said he'd done it. He was planning on asking for a $100,000 ransom, said he'd found her on the internet and saw that she was a real estate broker and felt that that meant she had a lot of money. He contacted mm. Beverly about the house using the name Stephen Adams and told her that he'd bring his wife Crystal along when she said she wasn't comfortable meeting just him. He showed up to the house alone without Crystal and apologized, saying she'd been caught up at work. And from text records, we know that at almost the exact same time, Crystal started texting Beverly to apologize for not being there with the same excuse, backing up Aaron's story. And so Beverly agreed to show Aaron the house alone. He asked her to take pictures of the house for him so that Crystal could feel like she'd seen the place too. And Aaron didn't say this, but it's pretty clear that Beverly was feeling uncomfortable with Aaron at this point because these pictures were so terrible. Yeah. <laughs> they walked up... You're like move, you're like taking photos and moving. Yes, that it, you know? it kind of, like, and you're not really looking at what you're taking a picture of is what it kind of looks like. Yeah. They walked upstairs and he asked her to show him the bathroom, and so she took him to the bathroom and she's taking pictures of like the bathtub and stuff. And she turns around and Aaron pulled out a flashlight taser and told her, "You're about to have a really bad day." Beverly asked him what he was talking about, oh. and oh. he said, "You're about to be kidnapped." And she must have been just terrified. He tased her and then took a roll of duct tape and wrapped her hands and feet together and then wrapped the tape all around her head to cover her eyes and then all around her head to cover her mouth. Have you ever been tased? No. Yes, I have. I have because of that idiot in at Texas State that had that taser and would just tase people at parties. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, that no. was a thing that happened at Texas no. State. So. 
Why do I already know? I can, I feel like I can name the location where that uh, took place. You'd know it if I could remember the guy's the, name too. You'd be like, oh, of course, the Fisai House. All right, just know no, that's where I'm you pretty were. sure it was a Sigma Pi. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, that tracks. Okay. <laughs> he then backed his car up to the house and put her in the trunk of the car. Aaron said he had an accomplice, and it wasn't Crystal. He insisted she wasn't involved at all. He said it was a friend of his named Trevor. Detective Allison was still thinking Carl Carter might be involved and had paid Aaron to kidnap Beverly. He wondered if this Trevor person was actually Carl. But Aaron never brought up Carl's name once, and Trevor turned out to be a real guy. He'd previously lived with Aaron for a little while, and he was currently in the Air Force. Detective Allison was still hoping that Beverly was alive, and Aaron tells him that she is. She's still alive. And to prove it, he played a recording from his phone. It was a recording of Beverly telling Carl that she was okay, that she hadn't been hurt, but to just do what he said and not call the police. And if he called the police, things could be bad. She told Carl that... But we don't know when the recording's from. Exactly. She told Carl she loved him, and that was it. This was one of a series of ransom demands that he'd forced Beverly to record with the goal of getting a big ransom from Carl. Big enough, he'd hoped, to never have to work again. But yeah, this recording did not prove that Beverly was still alive, just that she was alive when she'd made the recording. But Aaron said he wasn't sure what Trevor had done with her. He told the detective that he'd take him to the last place he knew she was, and he said that if she wasn't there, then Trevor had done something with her. Aaron took the detectives to Cabot, Arkansas, which is about 30 miles outside of town, and he directed them to a shed on the side of the road. Again, Detective Allison was hoping like hell Beverly was in there, but she wasn't, and he could tell she'd never been there. Aaron had another location to take them to, a house another 35 miles away that he said was where he'd held her when he'd first taken her. Well, what is he saying when he takes them to the first place and is like, oh, I guess Trevor took her. I don't know where she is, but I'll take you to the first place I had her. Maybe he took her back there. But there was nothing there, and Detective Allison started feeling like he was on a wild goose chase, and Aaron was just playing games with them. It was clear that Aaron... Where's Trevor? We'll get to Trevor. It was clear that Aaron was enjoying all these cops hanging on his every word, hoping that they were going to find Beverly. And Detective Allison was so mad, uh, he couldn't even ride back in the same car as Aaron. He had to switch cars with another officer. (laughs) So annoyed. Another cop managed to track down Trevor. He was in the military in Little Rock. He was assigned to the Little Rock Air Force Base, and they interviewed him for several hours, but his alibi was ironclad. The Air Force Office of Special Investigations confirmed that he was on base that day. Aaron's story was falling apart. And Aaron was starting to shut down, and Detective Allison started just grasping at straws. He knew that Aaron had worked at Argos, that cement plant, and he just threw it out there. He asked him if Beverly was at Argos. And Aaron looked up really quickly with what Detective Allison described as a stupid expression on his face. And he just knew that's where Beverly is. Four days after she disappeared, officers pulled up to Argos and they started searching. And soon they found her. An officer stumbled upon an elbow sticking out of a shallow grave. (gasps) It was Beverly. Of cement? Uh, No, just outside. Like a shallow grave outside the cement plant. Yeah. Detective Allison had to inform Carl that his wife was dead. Her entire family and all of her friends were devastated. She had so much to live for, her kids, her grandkids, so much they'd all miss out on not having her around. 
And I didn't put this in my script, but this wasn't the family's first loss either. Beverly had three children Mm. and one of her children had died, I think, in a car accident a few years before this in 2003. I know. As Aaron was led to a squad car, reporters swarmed him and asked, why Beverly? Why Beverly? And he just shrugged and said, because she's a rich broker before he got into the car. Later, Aaron was interviewed by a reporter from jail, and he told her an entirely different story. He said that he didn't kill her, and anything that happened was an accident. He said that actually, Beverly had agreed to meet up with him at the house so they could hook up. He said it had nothing to do with her showing the home. It was just a place to meet. When there are so many text messages and emails and everything between them that's all about showing prop, It's all professional. Business. It's all about business. The ADA, John Johnson, said the story was completely made up and very far-fetched. Detectives also knew that as much as Aaron might insist that Crystal had no part in it, she definitely did. And it was a much bigger role than they'd initially thought. Those texts to Beverly making her excuses about not being at the house, you know, they show Mm -hmm. that she was in on the plan from the very beginning. She's participating. And text pings showed her location at the cement plant with Aaron when Beverly's body was being buried. Oh, well. Yeah. Yeah. Johnson, the ADA, wanted to make sure that he could prove that this had been a kidnapping gone wrong in court. And he knew the best way to do that would be to flip Crystal. Sheriff's deputies arrested her at home, and the ADA talked her into a deal. She was facing capital murder charges, but if she'd testify against Aaron and plead Mm. guilty to murder and kidnapping, he'd give her a reduced sentence of 30 years. And she agreed. The jury would need to hear her story to secure a conviction against Aaron, so it was worth it. Especially when it turned out that tons and tons and tons of evidence would be inadmissible at trial. During his questioning, Aaron had asked for an attorney and they continued to question him anyway. So everything he'd said during that interview was thrown out. Everything. You can't do that. He's done this seven (laughs) times. He knows his rights. He 100% knows his rights. Everything they'd collected during their search of his car and home were also thrown out because officers didn't stick to the search warrant. It is the Fourth Amendment to the Constitution that protects us from unreasonable search and seizure. This amendment requires some specificity. So it's my understanding that you have to put on the search warrant what it is you're searching for. It doesn't have to be like super, super exact. It can be a little vague, but you have you can't just go in and take whatever you want, take everything that you find, which it seems like is what happened here. That's what his attorney said anyway, Aaron's attorney. This included, oh. these are things that are n- now inadmissible. Beverly Carter's cell phone and her jewelry that were found oh, in Aaron's home. I, I, I'm sorry. How is that? That's the number one thing they're looking for is signs of Beverly. Her phone. Because phones? they took other stuff that they shouldn't have taken. So now it's all oh, tossed out. Oh, I thought out. you meant. Yeah. Oh, now it's all tossed out. I thought you were like. No, this is. They took the Pop-Tarts out of <laughs> right. the freezer. Okay, fine. Right. Because maybe her fingerprints are on it. Yeah. Exactly. As yeah. well as duct tape, rope, shell casings, and what was believed to be Beverly Carter's blood found inside the car. I mean, with this stuff, they'd have a slam dunk, no problem. But without yeah. this and without Crystal's testimony, it would be really hard. They needed her testimony. Aaron pleaded not guilty to capital murder, and he asked to terminate his attorney so he could represent himself at trial. I, I, I love this move. <laughs> yes, 
please allow the it. The judge, Judge Wright, he questioned him to see if he was capable of re- representing himself at his trial. And Aaron said, Who cares? <laughs> Aaron Let said him. that he had some college education. He could read and write. And he does have legal experience oh. because he once won a lawsuit against Benton County. Because he's also been just in the legal system. <laughs> yeah. Forever. It was clear that Aaron was a narcissist who just loved attention. I looked into this lawsuit that he was talking about that gave him enough legal experience mm-hmm. to defend himself in a murder trial. It looks like he sued the yep. Benton County Sheriff's Office in 2011 after claiming that deputies had disregarded his complaints of chest pains and breathing problems when he actually had a collapsed mm-hmm. lung. And he'd received a settlement for that. And I yeah. think that... Receiving that settlement is something that made him say, hey, I, if I could just get another big score, I'd be set for life, you know? Yeah. After this arrest for capital murder, he sued the Pulaski County Sheriff's Office, this county that this is happening in, saying that the officers had beaten and manhandled him and dislocated his right arm. But I believe that was thrown out. There was no nothing to back that up, supposedly. Uh-huh. Two months after he decided to represent himself, he realized it actually wasn't for him. He said he initially wanted. (laughs) (laughs) It's going to be a no for me, dog. He said he initially wanted to represent himself because an attorney would not share the risks of trial with him since he was the only one who could be sentenced to prison, which is the case with every attorney ever. But he had no. I mean, I respect that sentiment, I guess. (laughs) Yes. But he's like, nobody will work as hard for me as me, so I'm going to do it. But no, dude, you don't even know how to write or file your own motions. He complained that prosecutors weren't cooperating with him. He said that since he's in prison, he doesn't have access to a computer very readily, so he can't review the evidence against him. I love that no one's going to work as hard for me as me, (laughs) but I didn't want to go to law school. I didn't want to put it in that Attorney work. Attorney Bill James was the lucky guy tasked with representing Aaron Lewis. The trial began in January of 2016. In the defense's opening statements, they said that Beverly had died during a sexual tryst gone wrong. But the prosecutor said that was just a terrible, made-up story. Prosecutors played the recording from Aaron's phone of Beverly pleading to her husband to cooperate with her kidnappers and to not call the police a recording that completely contradicted Aaron's story of an affair. Yeah. Crystal took the stand for the prosecution, and she said that it was all about money, not sex. Aaron came up with the idea of kidnapping someone, but it was Crystal's idea to go after real estate agents. They generally worked alone, and -hmm. they seem to be under the impression that all real estate agents are just rolling in copious amounts of dough. Yeah. Crystal was in a class for nursing school when Aaron kidnapped Beverly, and he texted her a picture of Beverly tied up in the trunk of the car. When when Crystal got home, Beverly was there, locked in the bathroom. They had discussed how they would go about getting this ransom. Their first plan, genius plan, Mogab, are you ready? Obviously, yes. They would have Carl push the money onto all the cards that Beverly had in her purse. And then they'd go to the ATMs to get the money out. That's how they were going to get this ransom. Okay. But Aaron, the genius who wanted to represent himself at trial, realized that he'd forgotten the purse at the crime scene. It was in Beverly's car. Why wouldn't he think to grab that? I mean, whatever. (laughs) Why wouldn't he think to grab, like, the pinnacle of his entire plan? 
<laughs> yeah. Right. I, he was so distracted with the this kidnapping. All money part. driven. Yeah. He's too too distracted by the kidnapping. He went back to get the purse, but as he got close, he could tell that there were already police swarming the house. And one even pulled him over to ask if he'd seen anything with no idea that Aaron was the guy they were looking for. Aaron now knew his grand plan wouldn't work. And to make matters worse, Beverly had seen too much. She was in the bathroom. She was being kept in the bathroom where Crystal's prescription pill bottles were. Mm. And she'd seen her name on the bottles. But it, not that they were doing anything to disguise themselves anyway. As from all the stories I've heard and the terrible reenactments done on Web of Lies, they weren't like wearing masks <laughs> or anything. So I don't think that they ever intended to give her back alive. Well, even, I mean, aside from that, but when Aaron's caught, it wasn't like they had, I mean, he kind of started confessing like early. He confessed it, it to the kidnapping, like this was, but not to the murder. Well, right. I know, but I just, I don't feel like they were really like, super concerned or like thoughtful in any of it uh no i think they were a bunch of ding-dongs but they thought that they had this master plan that they would never be caught yeah so she told aaron that he needed to handle it and so aaron took beverly and drove her to the cement plant he wrapped her head in duct tape from forehead to chin and let her Mm. suffocate and then he buried her in that shallow grave And then it was the defense's turn at trial. They totally ignored that recording of Beverly because Bill James, the attorney, he couldn't come up with a plausible explanation for the recording that would actually help them, especially since they were going off the rails with this defense. Now Aaron was saying he was not having sex with Beverly in the house. He wasn't even in the house at all when she was killed. It was Crystal that was there at the house. Beverly was at the house with Crystal and died during rough sex with her. What? The defense ran Beverly through the mud as much as possible. They tried to say that she was prone to poor judgment because she was broke, but she'd recently purchased this expensive Cadillac and gotten this plastic surgery. It's pretty rare for a defendant in a murder trial to take the stand. We've talked about this a lot. But did you think for one second that Aaron Lewis was going to let that opportunity go? No, I he (laughs) no one's going to work as hard for himself as himself. So he's going to take the stand. He said that he's putting in overtime. Yes. And he said that his many run ins with the law, his distrust in the judicial system and his desire to protect his wife led him to admit to a crime he says never even happened. And we have talked about all the reasons that false confessions might happen. I don't think that that's what this was. When his attorney asked him to tell them about his criminal history, Aaron turned to the jury and said, you got a minute? Like he's a stand-up comedian or something. (laughs) My criminal history, I'll need some time, friend. He told... Take a picture, it'll last longer. He told the story about this rendezvous with Beverly and Crystal, and prosecutors pounced on him. I can't believe the defense allowed him to testify when he was so clearly lying through his teeth and his lies are so easily proven lies. When prosecutors asked him about the recording that obviously contradicted everything that he's saying, Aaron said that it was Mm -hmm. actually him on the tape. He had synthesized his voice to sound like Beverly's. Carl Jr. said he knows his mom's voice and that was definitely her. And obviously Aaron had not synthesized her voice when When asked, he said he couldn't remember what software program he'd used to do it. (laughs) Like auto-tune. Okay. (laughs) 
He yeah. said he'd made the recording because it might be an angle to get something out of someone. The trial only lasted three days, which seems super short to me, but I'm sure to her family and friends, it was an eternity, especially having to listen to this mm-hmm. murderer tarnish Beverly's name over and over again with these completely made up stories. Carl Carter was also questioned on the stand and their marital problems were beat to death by the defense. Mm. Carl Jr. That's so hard, too. What? That's so yes. hard. Like with your like kids and Carl stuff Carl Jr. was especially hurt by this line of questioning because he knew that his mom loved his dad so much. But in the end, the jury needed just one hour of deliberation to reach their unanimous verdict. They, oh, yes. they found Aaron guilty on all counts, and he was given life in prison without parole. Carl Jr. testified at the sentencing phase of the trial, and he said, quote, We had so many good years left with her, and this world is a darker mm. place without her. He talked about his mother's smile and said her laughter would fill up a room. She doted on her five mm. grandkids and taught them all how to ride bikes and tie their shoes, and they'd eat entire boxes of Little Debbie cakes together. Oh, same. <laughs> I mean, not together, more alone, but I understand. I In the aftermath of losing someone that had been so precious to them, Beverly's family started a nonprofit in her name called the Beverly Carter Foundation, whose sole mission is to prevent anything like this from happening again. Carl Jr. has oh, found God. purpose in his mother's murder. He works for the foundation, traveling all over the country, training people on safety practices for real estate agents. And in doing so, he gets to tell some great stories about his mom, which keeps her alive to him. And you can find out more about this foundation at BeverlyCarterFoundation.org. And Detective Allison says he hopes Aaron Lewis rots in jail. Yeah. He seems like a just trash. He didn't have one redeeming quality. Not a one. Not a one. I'm really glad it wasn't Carl. I feel like we've had a lot of those lately. You've been tricking me. And I <laughs> you just keep uh, your toes, you know. I know. I needed a break, <laughs> but at least now I have my top two. I i if I had a better memory, I could round it out, but my top two least favorite <laughs> people. <laughs> and we're like ninety episodes in or something, you know? Yeah, something like that. Gosh. <sighs> God, oh my gosh, we're going to hit 100 I know, soon. I know. We'll need to do something special for Okay, that. so before our shout-outs, you have, we have an unboxing do. to do. An unboxing? MoGab checked the P.O. box like, again, and I already got a little sneaky peek. Like, real- I'm very excited. There's a keychain that I want on my keys very much. And let me tell you, nothing is as fun as opening the package from the P.O. box because they put, like, a little key in the P.O. box with Ooh. a, it's like a... Like a little treasure hunt. There's like a key with a number, and then you got to go find that number, and you got to put the key in. It sucks the key in, and you get a package. It's very fun. So we have a package from Diane B. And Diane, I was like, this name sounds familiar to me. And then I remember, you're never going to live this down, Diane, the penis. This is so. The penis confetti. confetti. Penis confetti. (laughs) So who knows what's in this box? I did go ahead and peep it so that I wasn't opening it live, uh, given the last. But it's like a real little gift for us. Oh, my God. I'm so excited. So there's two pink bags. They're like pink drawstring bags. They're so cute. Yes, you commentate. And on each one, mine fell off, but... 
A little keychain. They're like the um, what do you call that stuff? The like resin keychains that are in the shape of our initials. So I have a K and Mogab has an M. Okay. I'm gonna open mine first. (laughs) I'm assuming they're the same, but I don't know. Okay. (gasps) What is it? What is it? You look so excited. First, an astrology (gasps) candle, Taurus. Smells like gold-plated Sunday, oh, champagne that's chic, so cool. April twenty-third, oh May twentieth. Oh my gosh, that's so cool! Oh, I, I was about to say, I wonder which one yours is. Yours would obviously be the same. Oh my god, that smells really good. Okay, Taurus candle. So excited about that. I have in here lip shit, lip balm, fruit punch with lime with a little peacock on it. Oh, I do need lip. Oh my god, this is like a real. Oh. <gasps> Oh my god. A raccoon for your finger. <laughs> a little raccoon. Diane. A raccoon on her finger. Oh my god, that's so cute. Diane, you're a damn queen, sis. <laughs> what? Oh that my is god. <laughs> I'm going to name this guy Ralph. I like it. I like raccoon it. Ralph. Oh my god. <gasps> And I bet this is like a um, bath bomb of sort. Bath oh, yeah. Bomb. Surprise ball. Fun prize inside. Uh, oh, my gosh. A little self-care kit. Diane. Diane. Thank you. <laughs> okay. Yes. You have a Taurus candle. You also have a bath bomb. You have lip shit, but yours is a ooh, yours is a blackberry <gasps> honey with a little bombshell oh, really on exci- it. Oh, I'm really excited about that flavor. And you have a finger as well, but it is. What's my finger? A- What's my finger? What's my finger? A unicorn! A unicorn! <gasps> I do love unicorn. Unicorn. Horn. Oh my gosh, this is so Diane. fun. Diane, I will be sending, I will be packing this when I see Kristen in like yes. two weeks. So I'll get mine in. All right. Are we? That is so exciting. Diane. Thank you. Thank you. Oh my God. I love these little keychains. Are we ready for our shout outs? Yes. I'm pulling it up, but as I sit at Russell's desk, that's where I record. I put different candles on his desk, like he'll burn a candle during the day and I um, like pick them out. And it's so funny that we got astrology candles because. I will pick whatever girly or whatever candle I get to choose it. But these were at Target. And this is the best description. Capricorn. Russell's a Capricorn. Duh. How boring. The practical goat. Oh, okay. I know, right? Lame. I'm so sorry for him. But I got a Taurus one. It was like the the persistent bull. That's what our said. I was like, all right. I like that. Better than stubborn. Okay. Shout out. How do you get a shout out, Mogab? You get a shout out by signing up for our Patreon at any Anyone? level. We will like literally give yes. you a shout out. At any and then you got to sign up. You got to fill out the form. Once you sign up, there's a yeah, form on the Patreon. Fill, fill out the form. form just so we know how to pronounce your name so that we know which name to use. And uh, it's all good. Yeah. Yeah. It is mm-hmm. all good. We would love for you to sign up so you can get a shout out. We're getting really close to like 300 shout outs, which is really exciting. Our first one tonight is Jesse Lee. Jesse like messy. Lee like me. <laughs> Lee like me. Listen here, messy Jesse. You go, messy Jesse. You go, Jesse, messy. Thank you so much. 
you go. Our next shout out is for Angus and Heather. A little double, a little double up shout out there. Thanks, Angus and Angus. Heather. What a good name. <laughs> I, I'm glad you read that because I read it as Agnes, even though it's Angus. definitely Angus. Back to Mussy Jesse real quick. Oh, you know what that yeah. made me think of? Do you remember in school when you had to like do that get to know you get crazy said, you Kristen know. first day of school? Ah, <laughs> uh, crazy Kristen. Okay, but well, I guess yeah, I'll give it to you, even though it doesn't start. Right, with you K. have to. Okay, we got to go. Sounds. Yeah, I was. What always, adjective starts I was with K? I mean, you can go silly. kind, but you know, am I? I don't know. Yeah, being kind. <laughs> yeah, you know, know. Hashtag know thyself. <laughs> I was always. I was always silly Samantha. Silly Samantha. Okay. Braley Brotherson. Ooh. Famous adjacent adjacent Braley Brotherson. But listen, you guys might become famous adjacent soon because we're kind of blowing up today. So, <laughs> you know. Yeah. Thanks, everybody, for checking out the podcast. And a yep. big thanks to Maddie Tucker. Tuck- Shout out to Maddie Tucker. Tucker. That's a good name. Maddie Tucker, are you a country singer? You sound like a country singer. Because it sounds like mm-hmm. it. I bet you have a really good pair of denim shorts, right? Like cutoffs. And she probably has like really long hair that she can perfectly curl. It's probably like Like perfectly curly, like not not like like kind of wavy down her back, you know? Yeah, Mm -hmm. beach wave curly. Mm -hmm. Maddie Tucker probably has a like hair curling tutorial on her TikTok. But she doesn't have to curl her own hair because she just kind of wakes up like that naturally. Like that's just how her hair is. Obviously. She's like rough and tumble, but like gorgeous like she looks like she's wearing mascara but she's not (laughs) yeah she just woke up like that she and she also is like low-key taking the hair bear gummies the sugar hair bear gummies Mm -hmm. you know she's got like a little deal with them okay maddie tecker well let us know how on (laughs) (laughs) how on point are we (laughs) yeah let us know thanks just start doing that we'll just write everyone's story for them yeah stay tuned next week yeah stay tuned next week if you didn't hear your shout out this week it's coming up in a future episode thank you to everyone for listening to this episode uh find us on social media you can go to our instagram at creepers pod you can go to our join our facebook discussion group true crime creepers discussion group that's a great place to go sometimes uh we're on twitter and once a month so if you join if you follow us on twitter now you'll get the september tweet yeah and make sure to subscribe so you know exactly when our next episode will drop when i will tell mogab another wild story and hey rate and review us we we are slowing down a little bit there but we need your five star ratings and reviews we love them we read each one of them so make our day we love it bye peeps and creeps <laughs>